in two jobs today, leading table and the song, so uh, that's, that's worth noting right there. And then next week, uh, we're going to be going to the Utah Youth Rally over in Logan, and uh, JD's going to be preaching, and Jordan's doing songs, and I think that'll just be an awesome time. So uh, lots of people stepping up to the plate to do great things. Well, if you've been with us for, oh, what are we on, like two weeks, and then the week before was kind of the introduction to it, we've been looking at some of these old school Bible characters. And uh, the book of Hebrews, chapter 11, like we read in our opening verse today, talks about these heroes of the faith. And so we've been looking at these heroes of the faith, these old school characters in the Bible. And we started off talking about, in the beginning, Adam and Eve in the garden. We talked about the garden, the curtain, and the cross. And then we started looking at these heroes that come out of Hebrews chapter 11. And one of those first heroes we talked about was Noah. Noah was the only guy, the only dude on the whole earth who believed God. And God says, I'm going to destroy everybody, but you I will save. And so it took tremendous faith for Noah to be the only guy. You ever feel like you're the only person? Well, he really was in the whole world. And then God also said, and I'm going to save you, so what you need to do is you need to build a giant boat for 100 years. And he remained faithful to God, and he did it. And throughout his story, we see Noah being faithful to God. He wasn't perfect, though. He might have had a slip up here and there. We read about the end of his story there in the beginning of Genesis. He wasn't a perfect guy. But he had great faith. Then last week, we talked about another man of great faith, the father of the faith, as many people say, Father Abraham. And he had many sons, and many sons have Father Abraham, right? But Abraham's promise was that when he looked up to the stars, God was going to make his generations as multiplied as the stars. And through him, great nations would come, and many generations would come. But here's the problem. Abraham didn't have any kids. Last time I did the math on that, you got to at least start to get started. And so he wrestled with God on that, and he, he asked him, and he was reminded by God time and time again, but throughout all of that, he still trusted God. Again, he wasn't perfect either. He had some miss-ups. He tried to take control, and, you know, maybe my plan will work better than God's plan. What if I go get a, a second wife and we have another kid? But no, God's plan still was true, and Abraham, through all the bumps, still trusted in him. In fact, he finally has this son that's going to start all these great generations. His name is Isaac. And not long, or we don't know exactly how long, I'll say it that way this time, God asks him, this only son you have that all the generations will come from, you need to go sacrifice him. Kill him on a mountain. But Abraham trusted God. So we see the story. We see them walking up the mountain. We see them carrying the wood. We see Isaac asking, hey, Dad, we forgot a goat. And they get there, and Isaac is bound, and on top of the wood, he's about to be cut by his father Abraham. And an angel of the Lord says, no, no, stop. You have trusted in God, and your faith is easily seen. Wow, that's, that's crazy trusting in God to do what he says, even though it makes absolutely no sense, because this is the one son the generations are going to come from. So you might have gathered it. 
looking at our opening verse this morning. We're going to keep talking about one of these heroes, some of these old school characters, if you will. I want to talk a little bit about the story of Jacob today. The story of Jacob. And Jacob's another hard one um, to condense into, you know, 15 minutes of talking about. His story is quite long. And many of us know a lot of pieces of his story because they're kind of famous in the Old Testament. And uh, there's kind of like the three main ones. There's like three main stories of Jacob. We have Jacob and his brother Esau. That's kind of the beginning, and we're going to spend a lot of time talking about them today. Um, We have Jacob and his quest to have a wife named Leah, right? Rachel. Rachel. He didn't, yeah, Rachel. His quest to have a wife, Rachel. Leah's involved. And then we've got Jacob wrestling with God. Kind of some famous stories of Jacob, but just, again, that's just the surface level. So we won't be able to talk about all of them today. But what I want to do today is I want to talk at least a little bit about this story of Jacob throughout the scriptures. And we're going to look mainly at the beginning of his life, and we'll kind of sum up the end as we get there. But again, we'd have to read 20 chapters of Genesis, so we're not going to be able to do it today. But it's going to be pretty easy to find the story of Jacob because we're going to be in the book of Genesis. Remember, we're still with these old school guys. They're there at the beginning. So we're going to pick up here in Genesis 25, um, verse 19 or so is where we're going to start today. And uh, if, you're, if you've grown accustomed to following along with the screen, today's a day of growing. Because this is what you get right there. So you're going to have to listen and turn. It's going to be tough. But we're going to be in Genesis chapter 25. Um, so pretty much the middle of the first book of the Bible, Genesis 25. Let's go ahead and and see what's happening with Jacob. Let's see who he is and get a little bit of backstory, and we can start seeing who he is in Genesis 25, verse 19. Let's go ahead and read this, and we'll talk about it a little bit. 19 through 26. These are the generations of Isaac. Cool, we just talked about Isaac. Perfect. Abraham's son. Abraham fathered Isaac. And Isaac was 40 years old when he took Rebekah, the daughter of Bethuel, the Arimian of Hadaram, the sister of Laban, the Arminian, to be his wife. And Isaac prayed to the Lord for his wife because she was barren. And the Lord granted his prayer. And Rebekah, his wife, conceived. The children struggled together within her. And she said, if it is thus, why is this happening to me? So she went to inquire to the Lord, and the Lord said to her, Two nations are in your womb, and two peoples from within you shall be divided. The one shall be stronger than the other, and the older shall serve the younger. When her days to give birth were completed, behold, there were twins in her womb. The first came out red, and his whole body was like a hairy cloak. And so they called him Esau. Afterward, his brother came out with his hand holding Esau's heel. And so his name was called Jacob. Isaac was 60 years old when she bore them. So we're talking about Jacob today. He enters the story here at the end through his birth. We've got a little bit of history here. And it's actually pretty easy history to follow, right? 
Last week, we were talking about Abraham. Abraham had this son that was going to be promised, or that was promised by God. His name is Isaac. From Isaac, many generations will come. Well, guess whose dad Isaac is? Jacob. We didn't go very far, right? We're just talking about grandpa and grandson. It's pretty easy to manage jump. So we see the history of, uh, of the family line from Abraham to Isaac, Isaac's wife, Rebekah, and then her two twins, Jacob and Esau. Now she, she notices, I don't know if you, you caught how she noticed uh, these twins that she was going to have. But remember, she was barren. Jacob prayed to the Lord. We see he's a faithful man, and God answered. So we already kind of see some of the context, and then she just doesn't understand. She's got a baby, but it feels like there's a wrestling match inside of her. That's her version, right? So she asks God, why in the world does it feel like there's a wrestling match going on inside of me? And he answers her request. He says, inside of your womb, there are twins. Two. Two's better than one. Well, these twins... They're going to be at war with each other. They're going to be battling nations. The brothers are going to be pinned against each other from birth. And also, the youngest will be the one that rules over the oldest. Interesting thing for, for God to tell Rebecca here, because culturally, that's wrong. Culturally, the oldest gets the estate, rules over, takes over dad's inheritance. He is the leader of the family right after dad. But you're telling me, God, that the youngest, Jacob, is going to rule over the oldest, Esau? That's backwards, right? But we see that happening in the birth account. It's weird details, right? You see Esau come out first, and he's red and hairy. It's like... I believe Inside Out has a red and hairy guy. Am I right? Yeah. I don't think that's what Esau looked like, but that's what my mind movie fills it in with. He's red and he's hairy, and coming out right behind him, holding on like he's trying to beat him out, is Jacob, the youngest. The one who Rebecca just talked to God about earlier, who would be the one that would rule over the, the mean, hairy one? Interesting. Interesting. So we've got two brothers. We've got Jacob, and we've got Esau. And we've got the promise that was given to Rebekah back here in, in chapter 25 in the middle about how Jacob will be the one to rule over Esau. Now, as we move on, we don't have to go very far. We're just going to hop to the next verse. Actually, we'll skip down to 29. No, we should read 27. I can take it back. Okay. We're just going to go ahead and read the next verse, Genesis 25, 27, and we'll read through the end of the chapter. Because they're born, but they, they're going to become men pretty quick here, right? Verse 27. When the boys grew up, Esau was a skillful hunter, a man of the field, while Jacob was a quiet man, dwelling in tents. Isaac, dad, loved Esau because he ate of his game. But Rebekah loved Jacob. Once, when Jacob was cooking stew, Esau came in from the field, and he was exhausted. 
And Esau said to Jacob, let me eat some of that red stew, for I'm exhausted. Therefore, his name was called Edom. Jacob said, sell me your birthright now. Esau said, I'm about to die. What, what good is a birthright to me? Jacob said, well, swear it to me now. So he swore to him, and he sold his birthright to Jacob. Therefore, Jacob gave Esau bread and the lentil stew, and he ate and drank and rose and went on his way. Thus, Esau now despised his birthright. All right, we'll take a pause there for a second. We're talking about Jacob and Esau, two brothers. I love this part of the story. It's not like encouraging or anything, but we get to see a lot about these brothers. First off, we got Esau. He's a daddy's boy. He hunts the meat. He brings home the bacon. Sounds like a manly thing to do. I get the picture that big red hairy Esau is a manly man. He's dad's favorite, right? But then we have a little description about Jacob. Jacob, he was a quiet man, dwelling in tents. Isaac loved Esau because he was a manly man, but Rebekah, she loved Jacob. So in the story of Jacob, I think it's kind of an interesting, important little fact. Jacob was a mama's boy. We're going to see that even more in a minute. But Jacob was a mama's boy. He wasn't the manliest of men. He didn't go out there and hunt the game. He sat in the tents. He was quiet. He's at home making stew. Sometimes I can relate to Jacob. Sometimes I can relate to Esau. Good and bad both ways, right? But then we get to the story that's probably most famous about Jacob and his brother Esau. Jacob's there making stew, making lentil stew. Esau walks in and he's about to die because he's been hunting all day. Oh my goodness, right? And so Jacob, he's kind of got a little connivingness in him. He's got a little trickery. He's like, you know what? I got all this smelly, beautiful stew. Why don't you just trade me for your birthright? And I think this is a spot good to take a teeny pause because we don't, we don't talk about birthrights in America, right? That was our birthright, was being born into America. No. What's the birthright? Well, this is the promise that is given to that oldest son, right? The promise for the oldest son that he will be the one that will inherit uh, his father's possessions, his father's land, his father's power. This is the promise side of it. That's why it's the right to. It's like when you have rights to do something, you haven't done it yet, but the promise is there. So what Jacob says, is he's like, you know, instead of me just giving you stew like a good brother, why don't you sell me that promise of your inheritance and your riches that are to come? Esau, he's dramatic, right? He says, well, I'm about to die, so what good is a birthright if I'm dead? Uh, he must have been really hungry. I'll just tell you. He must have been really hungry. So he does it. He makes this trade with Jacob over, over a hunk of, of bread and, and a bowl of soup, and he gives him his birthright. And the last piece that we read right there is Esau continues on living, but now he despises his birthright. You know, I, in my picture, in my mind movie, it was probably about halfway through the bowl of soup where he went. That was stupid. And that's probably why he despises it, right? Because he realized the dumb thing he's done. He's the firstborn. He's got the promise, but he gave it to his brother. How's that going to work out? 
So we already start to see some of this, this promise of God that was given to Rebekah. Jacob and Esau bartering and fighting and tricking each other over a bowl of soup and a birthright. Yeah, we start to see a little bit about who Jacob was. And we see about his brother, daddy's boy, and mama's boy. Well, the story's not over yet. Let's keep reading. Let's see what these, uh, these boys get up to. I'm going to skip a little bit. Again, I invite you to read all of the, the story of Jacob, but I can't today. So I'm going to hop over to 27, chapter 27. You might have to turn the page. And we're going to jump into verse 37. So again, we're, we're moving on in the story quite a bit. They're growing up. They're continuing to be men, mama's boys and daddy's boys. And Jacob and Esau are living together at their father's house. When we get to verse 37, we start to see Jacob's trickery plan be put more into action. Genesis 27, verse 37. Let me make sure I got this right here. Yeah. We've got the two brothers, and they're going to be at war with each other. And the promise has been given not only to mom, but to dad as well. That's why I put this in here. Uh, Genesis 27, verse 37. Isaac answered and said to Esau, did I jump too far? I feel like I did. Yeah. It's not in my notes. All right. We're going to find it. 27, 27? Perfect. Okay. Good. That's what happens when you use digital notes. Sometimes they disappear. Okay. Chapter 27. Let's read parts of this here, and we'll pick up here in verse 5, because as they're growing up, we see them doing, uh, you know, the manly man and the, the mama's boy stuff, and Esau's going to go out for a hunt. Verse 5 of chapter 27. Now, Rebekah was listening when Isaac spoke to his son Esau. So when Esau went to the field to hunt for the game and bring it, Rebekah said to her son, Jacob, I heard your father speak. To your brother Esau, bring me game and prepare for me delicious food that I may eat it and bless you before the Lord before I die. So therefore, my son, obey my voice as I command you. Go to the flock and bring me two good young goats so that I may prepare for them delicious food for your father that he loves. And you shall bring it to your father to eat so that he may bless you before he dies. But Jacob said to Rebekah, his mother, behold, my brother Esau, he's a hairy man. And I'm a smooth man, mama's boy. Perhaps my father will feel me, and I shall seem to be mocking him and bringing a curse upon myself instead of a blessing. So his mother said to him, let your curse be on me, my son. Only obey my voice and go, bring them to me. So he went and took them and brought them to his mother. And his mother prepared delicious food, such as the father loved. Then Rebekah took the best garments of Esau, her older son, which were in her house, with her in the house. And he put them on Jacob, her younger son. And the skins of the young goats she put on his hands, on the smooth part of his neck. And she put delicious food on the bread which she had prepared. And she put it into the hand of her son Jacob. Now he went into his father and he said, My father. And he said, Here I am. Who are you, my son? What a weird question. Jacob said to his father, um, I am Esau, your firstborn. 
I have done as you told me. Now sit up and eat my game, that your soul may bless me. But Isaac said to his son, How is it that you found it so quickly, my son? He answered, Well, because the Lord your God gave me success. Then Isaac said to Jacob, Please come near, that I may feel you, my son, to know whether you are really my son Esau or not. So Jacob went near to Isaac, his father, who felt him and said, The voice is Jacob's voice, but the hands are the hands of Esau. And he did not recognize him, because his hands were hairy like his brother Esau's. So he blessed him. He said, Are you really my son Esau? He answered, I am. Then he said, Bring it near to me, that I may eat of my son's game and bless you. So I brought it near to him, and he ate, and he brought him wine, and he drank. Then his father Isaac said to him, Come near and kiss me, my son. So he came near and kissed him. And Isaac smelled the smell of his garments, and he blessed him and said, See, the smell of my son is the smell of a field that the Lord has blessed. May God give you the dew of heaven and the fatness of the earth and the plenty of grain and wine. Let people serve you, and nations bow down to you. Be Lord over your brothers, and may your mother's sons bow down to you. Cursed be everyone who curses you, and blessed be everyone who blesses you. As soon as Isaac finished blessing Jacob, when Jacob had scarcely gone out from the presence of his Isaac, or of Isaac, his father, Esau, his brother, came back from his hunting. Let's just stop there. That's a lot of reading, right? But this is probably the most famous part of the story of Jacob. Esau's the manly man. Jacob's the mama's boy. Rebecca has been promised that Jacob one day will rule over his brother. And we already see that Jacob's a little trickster. He's a little deceiving. So when mom has the great idea that when Esau bounces for a minute to go hunt, to do his job, to trick their father, who we kind of get the perspective is like sitting and dying in bed, right? He's, he's at this end of life. He obviously can't see well. And so we, we have this picture of what's going on. And so not only is Jacob a little deceiving, a little tricker, so is his mom. His mom was told this promise. Rebecca was told this promise by God before his birth. And she wants to make sure it's true. So she sends Jacob in there to deceive uh, Isaac. You know, they go through the whole rigmarole to get it. They put, they put the... the wool on the arms, they put the cloak on, so he smells like Esau, he goes in there, and he tricks dad. And the whole time you're reading this, you're like, man, this doesn't feel right, even reading this, this feels icky. And Isaac kind of feels like something's up too, he says, you really my son Esau? But at the end of the day, the deception worked. At the end of the day, the deception worked, and the blessing that we just read was given not to the oldest, to the firstborn, but to the youngest, Jacob. So not only did Jacob swindle his brother's birthright, he also went in and deceived his father to give the actual blessing. Man, he's making the promise come true, but maybe not the best way to do it. 
Same for his mother. She's making the promise come true, but is that really what you want to do to your family? We get down here and we see that Esau comes back. He returns and he realizes what's happening. And so we pick up here in verse 37. I'm just going to read a little bit more. Uh, when he goes into his father and he's like, is this really true? He gave the blessing to Jacob. This is what we see. Isaac answered and said to Esau, Genesis 27, 37, Behold, I have made him Lord over you, and all his brothers I have given to him as servants. And with grain and wine I have sustained him. What then can I do for you, my son? Esau said to his father, Have you only one blessing, father? Bless me, me also, father. And Esau lifted up his voice and he wept. And then Isaac, his father, answered him and said, Behold, away from the fatness of earth shall your dwelling be, and away from the dew of heaven on high. By your sword you shall live, and you shall serve your brother. But when you grow restless, you shall break his yoke from your neck. Now Esau, he hated Jacob because of the blessing his father had blessed him with. And Esau said to himself, the days of mourning for my father are approaching. Then I will go and kill my brother Jacob. But the words of Esau were heard, were told to Rebekah. So she sent and called Jacob, her younger son, and said to him, Behold, your brother Esau comforts himself about planning to kill you. <laughs> Great. Therefore, my son, obey my voice. Arise and flee to Laban, my brother, and Haran, and stay with him for a while until your brother's Fury dies down. Again, a lot of reading today in Genesis. But simply put, Esau gets back. He's not happy. He asks Dad, are you sure you only got one promise, one blessing? Yeah, that's how it works. I've blessed Jacob, and, and you're going to live in misery, and he's going to live in glory and rule over you. And so Jacob has the blessing. Esau walks out of his dad's room. <laughs> so interesting how the wording is. I can tell my dad's about to die. When he dies, I will go kill my brother Jacob. Not a positive thought. And then as Rebecca relays it back to Jacob, she's like, hey, Esau's like a little too giddy thinking about killing you. You need to leave. So he does. Jacob flees to uh, Rebecca's brother, Laban, uncle, right? He lives in the land of Haran. That's where he's going. Esau won't find me there. I'm going to run. This is the next piece of Jacob's story, and it lasts 20-plus years. The rest of Jacob's story for the next 20-plus years is I am terrified of my brother Esau. He's going to kill me. All because he was deceiving, tricking, trying to take what wasn't his, trying to do God's work for him. Now he's running in fear. And when he gets to Laban's house, we have probably the second most famous story about Leah and then Rachel and how he really wanted Rachel, so he made the deal of working for seven years just to wake up in the morning after his wedding and say, this is the wrong girl, the old switcheroo. That's what Laban did, right? This is the Leah. And Laban's like, well, everybody knows you get the oldest daughter first. You can have the second one in seven more years. So he spends seven more years. He finally gets Rachel. 
And then we're 14 years into it at this point, right? And he stays in fear of his brother Esau this whole time. But he knows he has to go back. Again, we're not going to read this all, but you can read the next chapters. We ended in 27. You can keep reading. He knows he has to go back, but his heart is not ready to. He's terrified of his brother Esau. In fact, that's where the third, probably most famous story of Jacob comes in. He's not sure if he's following God. He's not sure if he's going back to his brother Esau. He's not sure about nothing in life until he wrestles a strange man in the wilderness. And after, you know, they have a good tussle and he puts out his hip and, you know, it's kind of an even match. The stranger says to him, hey, you shall be called Israel, for you fought against man and God and come out. Pretty interesting. You think Jacob was going like, whoa, this weird guy I met in, in the wilderness is God? He wrestled God. You might have noticed that name Israel. Hold any significance? Maybe, maybe a great nation that was God's people that Christ would come from? This is the same Jacob we're talking about. But he was kind of scummy. That was the word that I kept coming to, and I, I get it, that's in our culture, but that's the, the whole thing of the story that I kept coming to. Jacob, he's just kind of, he's scummy. He tricks his brother. He gets with his mom to trick his brother again. He gets a little taste of his own medicine with the whole Rachel Leah situation. But he's just kind of, ah. And you're telling me that this guy that I can't even stand reading about him is going to be one of the fathers to bring Christ to this world? And I had to wrestle with that a little bit. Kind of like Jacob had to wrestle with God. And then I realized something. After all of those 20 years, Jacob, he comes back to his brother. And he's terrified. You can find this in chapter 33. Again, there's some more chapters I skipped there. You got six chapters you can read at home. But 33, verse 4, Jacob is terrified. He, he does all the tactics to try and not be killed fast by his brother Esau. You know, he sends him gifts, he sends him servants, he sends everybody ahead. But finally, he's got to meet Esau face to face. And he just knows it's going to be, this is how I go. He still wants to kill me. I stole everything from him. Genesis 33, verse 4. But Esau ran to meet him and embraced him and fell on his neck and kissed him. And they wept together. I don't think that's what Jacob expected. In fact, I guarantee it. He expected a run and a kill, not a run and a hug and a kiss. Because in all of these years that we follow Jacob, it's a big story. He's constantly wrestling with God, not just one time. His whole story. He's constantly trying to figure out if he's serving God or if he's got a better plan. You ever been in that boat before? I have. Sometimes we don't realize it because we think we're doing God's plan, but really, we're just trying to do what we think is right. That's Jacob's whole story. 
He thinks better than God, and so he wrestles with God constantly. He's not even sure if he trusts God when it comes to the truth of the matter that his brother will love him again. But yet at the end of the day, Esau ran up and hugged and kissed him. So, so far in this story of great heroes, you had Noah. Noah had incredible faith. He was the only person in the whole wide world, but he still trusted God. Then you have Abraham. He not only had faith, but he had trust in God. He had trust in God that he would even sacrifice his son Isaac. And then Isaac has his own son, so Grandpa Abraham. Now we're down to Jacob. And, you know, what's the take-home from Jacob? Well, Jacob was pretty slimy, a little bit of a, a tricker. That's the point for Jacob. <laughs> what? The point for Jacob is even God can use you when you're a mess. Even God can use you and turn you back to his way when you think you've been doing it right the whole time and you realize somebody's going to kill you for it. That's what happened to Jacob. Even God can use messes, deceivers, people who've lived lives that probably aren't perfect. And at the end of the day, you might wrestle with God, but he's going to restore you like a great big hug to the brother that should kill you. That's why Jacob's a hero of the faith. He's kind of a weird one. But as his story continues, he continues to serve God. And he really was a great hero. There's the story of Jacob. A lot of stuff to chew on. If you want to read every detail in between, you got probably 10 chapters you could dig through. The story of Jacob's pretty incredible because God used a slimy person that became a servant of his. Let's stand and sing this last song as Larry leads it.